0: Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents, and my co-host, Steve Sherlock, number 11. Number 11. We're still counting.
1: We
2: are.
0: And today, our guest is Ruth Ann O'Sullivan. That's right. (laughs) Oh, welcome to the program, Ruth Ann.
2: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Let me ask you, what is your background, could you tell us a little about yourself?
2: Sure. Well, I um, I grew up in Natick, so not too far from here. I know a lot of people kind of go back and forth. The Franklin-Natick story seems to be very uh, uh, intertwined. Um, just out of college, I went to UMass Amherst, studied business management, and just out of college went to New York City. Actually, I had a, an opportunity with the bank I was working for at the time wanted to expand into New York. Um, and I was young and single and didn't have mm. children and um, said, I can do that. So um, spent the bulk of my 20s in New York City um, working for you know Fortune 500 company and um, putting everything I had into my career and um, ended up having a pretty flourishing career out there. Um, was recruited by a, another banking institution in the south that wanted to come to Boston. So, um, took that opportunity, and they relocated me back to Boston so um, shortly thereafter, I started my family, my, my husband um, and I, I was out in the Rutland, Wachusett area for a few years. I wanted to be close to where my parents retired mm-hmm. while my children were young, but I um, wanted to kind of get back a little bit closer to Boston and just you know a little more where the action is mm-hmm. um, so I was looking at towns and and just thought Franklin was an awesome choice. I'd been watching um, you know, the progress at the schools um, particularly and uh, the location, you can't beat the location. Um, and I had just a pretty good base of friends that had settled here and just were really enjoying it. The black box, um, two train stations, um, just felt like it was a, a good place to settle in. So mm-hmm. I actually bought my house in January 2020, we lived in six, about six months in an apartment that was uh, you know, a little hectic and crowded, <laughs> but we were lucky to get in right before the housing really peaked
1: yeah. and
2: um, bought a house right across from the high school actually, um, January 2020, um, and then the pandemic, but you know, um, so it sort of prolonged me getting to know everybody in the area as much, but um, it certainly gave me an opportunity to, to get engaged in the town and uh, it's challenges yeah. and it's awesomeness.
1: It so. is, and I think your story is similar because I came through corporate relo and oh, you're going to give me a chance to move back to Massachusetts? Right. Sure, right, right. So Franklin with the train line because the offices were going to be in Boston most of the time. Franklin yeah. made sense, so we're yep. here. Yep. And in terms of engagement, uh, one of the aspects of engagement certainly is the vote coming up, October twenty-fourth, November seventh, for the town election. So you can speak towards uh, engaging in terms of voting as a citizen responsibility.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's probably what I think is one of the most sort of essential duties of of any citizen is to vote. My um, my children certainly know that about our family. I know I take them to the polls. They come right in with me i show them how to connect the line or fill in the dot um usually beforehand we go through you know the the pamphlets that are sent out and go over all the different Mm -hmm. questions or candidates and um i always vote um local elections um and uh i think that uh we don't have the biggest turnout for local elections so I, i would love to see that change i think we had a a decent-sized turnout in 2021, but it still was like less than 20% or something, yeah. right? So,
1: yeah. It's, um, historically, that's certainly been the challenge. Yeah, Local elections are generally about 20%. Right. When we have a money vote as a school debt exclusion, et cetera, that tends to be more in the 40%. So it'll be interesting with November 7, because we have the tri-county vote at the right. same time, right. is that going to give us a bump? I hope, but we'll see.
2: Right, right. Yeah, it's always um it's always challenging to get people out, you know. I, I was having this conversation recently how you know, uh, my generation in particular, we didn't really study civics and and government mm-hmm. too closely, right. especially at a local level. Um growing up, I, I find it sort of astonishing at times how few people really know how local government is working. Sure. Um just, you know, who do I contact? What, you know, um and we have a pretty great website if people want to engage and kind of figure out where to go. But mm-hmm. um, just in general, um, I think that's something that our whole country needs to work on,
1: really. Yeah. Yeah, democracy has been challenged in a few ways. And getting engagement is one aspect to help build that. But certainly the civics education, which I know at least Mass has taken some strides yeah. to kind of catch up, will mm-hmm. help too. Um, next piece, at least in terms of bringing in terms of your background coming for a school committee, so there are t- particular aspects of your background and or uh, skill set that you would like the community to be aware of that you're bringing to the table for a school committee.
2: Um, I think that aside from just having sort of an intrinsic motivation to, to do what's right for the schools, I have you know, children who are in uh, sixth and seventh grade right now, mm-hmm. uh, middle schoolers. Um, when I moved here, they were in second and third grade, so um, we're, we're part of that generation that sort of had that two to three year awkward gap. Yes.
1: Um,
2: and, and I gotta applaud Franklin, really, uh, compared to some of the towns that I was sort of networked with, and, and we did a, a solid job, um, just getting the kids linked up right away, giving them you know, an agenda, because most of us were working from home, mm-hmm. um, trying to work at the same time, uh, which I was, and when I had, left banking and started my family i took a job when i moved to franklin and i was chief of staff at a law firm in wellesley so when the kids didn't return to school in september i had to leave my job as well Um, and so at that time i have a a couple friends in town one is a boston police officer one is a nurse another is a school teacher actually a natick and uh, i watched their kids during the pandemic so we had sort of a little Pod in my house, uh-huh. um,
1: yep. a safe cluster, which
2: was good because my kids were coming from, you know, being new to the school. So um, I don't have an education background. Um, I have a lot of friends and family in schools. I have really engaged with the schools and participated in the PCCs. I've run the variety shows. I've shown up for the Teacher Appreciation Days. Um, I have a lot to learn around policy. I think. Um, my strength will be strategy, uh, maybe more so than policy. Um, I think my, my private sector sort of fearless business acumen may come in handy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that um, just having fresh eyes on, and, and when I say that, I don't want to take anything away from the people that are the incumbents and the people that were just on the school committee. I do think that we have had great representation for the schools, um, and, it, and it's one of those positions that I think burns people out. Um, just especially because it's voluntary, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I do have a a strong finance background. Um, I do have a good legal background. I'm also a paralegal. I went to Northeastern just to certify that, Um, but I think I just have sort of a a, a non-public sector sort of, you know, vision about it, and I think that's going to be beneficial um, Mm -hmm. as I collaborate with, you know, people like Dave McNeil and Dave uh, Callahan, who are very strong in policy, I think I sort of complement that with strategy. And I think we can work well together. Mm
1: -hmm. Good. And one of the other pieces, certainly, as you've been preparing, you're aware of the budget challenges, not just on the town side, but certainly within the school, whether it's truly systemic You'll begin to find out if you haven't already Mm -hmm. uh thoughts on that as you go through that process
2: well it's definitely so my i wasn't planning on running for school committee actually um i just had been really involved since i had seen when i first moved to town was when those teachers were on 140. uh you know 100 teachers on in solidarity with pink slips and I was a little bit blindsided. Like, wait a minute, this isn't what I expected. What's yeah. going on? Um, and I remember during COVID, we had the outdoor meeting at the football field. And uh, at the time, Dr. Bergen was uh, the chair of the school committee, and uh, Dr. Ahern was superintendent. And they were sort of pleading um, with our town just to say, you know, we we're we're not we're not getting what we need. We need, um, you know, more funding, more a local contribution. So I. Um, I really perked up then and just started to really pay attention. Um, and what I learned was there's not much we're going to be able to do at a state level. The the Chapter 70 equation, which I know is complicated, but essentially is revolved around median income land value. And I know that Franklin sits in the top, some statistics tell me the top 13% of town wealth. Um, I've definitely solidified at least the top twenty percent and I know our local contribution sits in the bottom twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So to me there was a disconnect. So I was I was adamant. I've been at, you know, every school committee meeting. I sit, you know, there with you most of the time and um, town council meetings I go to just to try to get to the bottom of it. And so I had been talking with Jamie Helen off and on. I would go meet with him and just say, you know, what's going on? What can I do? Um, it seems like we, we need an override and he would say well that's not going to happen in this town it, it, overrides don't happen and i was like well what needs to happen how does this start and he's like we, we need like a good citizen movement we need a grassroots movement so um i had been talking to some local advocates a former school committee roberta trehan hamburg and they had started this group one franklin in 2019 that sort of fizzled away when the um federal COVID money came in so mm-hmm. I sort of reengaged that group with their blessing, and uh, and and registered with Nancy Donello downtown, and now we have a, a political action committee, or not a political, not not a ballot question committee, ballot which question, is different. Really, yeah. um, and and we're we're working. We 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 got the joint budget subcommittee reconvened. You know, mm-hmm. we we sort of engaged the town council and, and asked them to do that, and they they've done it, and they're pulling the numbers together, and you know. We'll see what comes of it. It's early, but um, you know people started approaching me and saying, "You know, there's a there's few open spots on the school committee and you're sort of doing the work anyway. What do you think about, you know running?" Um, so I did, you know Why not? Um, if I'm going to be digging into it and trying to solve this problem, I might as well put my arms around all the resources available to me.
1: And have a seat at the table to do so while you're at it. Right, so Thank right. you for stepping up to do so.
2: <laughs> thank you.
0: So are you an incumbent or would this be your first term? This is my first the,
2: term, yeah. It would
0: be your first term yep. on the school committee?
2: Yeah, yes. And why
0: do you feel, what is it that you need more money for? What programs specifically do you feel we the school system doesn't have that you need to have?
2: Um, that's a complicated question because I think I, when I talk to people, what has happened historically, and Steve, you've done an awesome analysis of like the different cuts over the years um, in some articles that I've referenced, but things like like foreign language, for example you know, 15 years ago we had French and Spanish introductions in the elementary schools. Um, then those were cut and we only had it in the middle school. So we had French, Latin, Spanish in the middle school um, as, an, as an academic course. Um, and now it's been sort of slivered and slivered away and now we have just Spanish available, not in elementary but in middle and it's given as a unified art, like you know, like gym class only a couple days a week. Um, the music program, I know years ago, and not, not 30, 40 years ago, like 10 years mm-hmm. ago. So you could in third, fourth, fifth grade, pick an instrument and you could have be the band and, and music introduction be part of your day. So I'm not, I don't think necessarily the academics have been impacted perhaps school size our class sizes have gone up a little but we know enrollment's dipping down a little coming back up i guess with the kindergarten class is what i'm hearing and we're waiting for the next census but i think more what i'm finding is the the ability for the administration and the teachers to manage the schools is impacted in a way that impacts the entirety of the school so we hear a lot of times at the school committee meetings, like our superintendent, sort of pleading with parents that we need a little more assistance with, you know, the behavior, and um, they're trying to implement in the state. It's a, it's a mandate now to to implement restorative justice. You can't just suspend a kid and solve the problem. Um, you know, certainly the needs of children have been escalated with. I'm not even gonna say the pandemic. I think the biggest driver of that is the cell phone generation. Mm. I think the information just came too fast. Social media and and often I hear these these sort of issues that children might get into in their homes at night, trickle into the classrooms Mm. and have to be managed. Um, Technology's been a huge boost of you know needs for revenue um just to be able to compete with other districts and live in the world we're in now i think somebody said that uh our new high school has this real cutting edge technology these tvs and and every they can do like the morning news and whatnot i don't think they're they have the software update needed to even be running right now so there's things that they're sort of putting to the sideline you know any initiative That they try to implement. I noticed on your list, (laughs) the first thing to go is any initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, So, to your point, we're going to have to get more granular, uh, you know.
0: Let me ask this the state is funding completely all of the food for the students. Yes. The federal government has taken away the subsidy. Okay. If we only, the state only funded those in need. Mm. Wouldn't that provide a lot more money to the town of Franklin for the things that you want?
2: It's possible. I I don't I don't know enough about that program to know that 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 money budgeted would necessarily be added to that chapter seventy funding. I think the chapter seventy funding is pretty cut and dry, regardless of what we get for that food supplement. But I I, I don't know for sure. Um, I know that Jeff Roy gets that hold harmless money on top of what we get from the state, which is like I think close to eleven million dollars. So I think like as a town where we're getting what the state allows plus eleven million, so I'm not sure that would trickle to the school's
0: Well, as a town, we would have a lower amount of students in need. Right. Right. So as a town, it certainly would seem as a logical possibility Mm. that if we only funded those in need, then the state would have more money for education. But let me switch to another topic. I just learned this morning that there are 72 students in need that have come to Franklin
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: are now being integrated into the school system.
2: Right, right.
0: $107 a day is being delivered to the town of Franklin to help offset that expense and and you said that works out to be what uh, 17,000 what what a normal student is getting now.
1: The state average of the per pupil is what we've heard through the school committee between the 17, 18,000 per year. Right. And yeah, you can equate it out to like $107 a day. And okay. apparently through the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, they'll reimburse the school on a quarterly basis, depending upon the attendance of, we had heard initially, 40. Apparently, it's we knew it was going to go up. So maybe it's now 70 or so mm. students. So there'll be something coming to us to certainly help those students who are now integrated into the classrooms. Yeah.
0: What is your plan or how do you see that integration of students on a student-by-student on a student level mm-hmm. and, and being able to participate in sports or music? Do you have a plan to fully integrate those students into the school system and into the community?
2: i think that and i've heard my you know our superintendent talk about this um sort of plan of action and i, I think i'll start by kind of just saying i do believe that, that that nobody knows better than our educators how to get this done um really i do i do believe you hand a you hand a child over to one of these educators and they just a story for example uh, i know when they first came to town there was a lot of uh, discussion over um, who's reaching out, who's finding out what they need, and I know um, I had talked to uh, the superintendent's office and he had gone in early to show them how to navigate the bus, how to get on the bus and drive over, and I I know in particular one story was the they pulled up to Oak Street Elementary and the pre- the principal over there, Brad Hendrickson, you know, jumped on the bus and said, "You know, hola, amigos." And he speaks three languages. And I guess he used to be principal at a uh, a school in the city, and and has that skill set. And um, just got really enthusiastic. I see enthusiasm around the teachers. That's challenge. Um, I see like insight given to the students that they're going to commingle with, and kind of give some worldly perspective and some lessons there. So. You know i think it's i think it's worth digging into and and it's worth having oversight on and and checking to make sure they have what they need um but if we get the funds that that were being promised from the state because i know that's a big question that Mm. everybody's concerned about is oh yeah they said they're sending the money but like you know is it going to be bureaucratic red tape but um I, i think that they'll be able to communicate what they need if they need a couple more Translators, and they need you know some added entry-level Spanish curriculum that we probably don't have, you know, for for elementary kids anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I I do have a lot of confidence in teachers as a whole. Um, not to say that the the school committee is not necessary because it, it is that liaison between the community and and the schools. Um, but I think I think we've had some historical foundations set and some systems set, and I and I do believe that we've got strong leadership. Um, I'm excited to be a part of it. I may I may not be aware of sort of the unforeseen challenges that will be coming my way. Um, I think more so than just just the language barrier or maybe you know some cultural barriers. I think the the biggest thing that that you know, kind of keeps me up at night is is the amount of trauma or struggle that those kids may have endured, and to make sure that you're sort of servicing that emotional need in order to make sure that kid can learn, um, which could get a little tricky, um, because I think as a whole our district is under resourced in the in the area of uh, you know counseling and things like that.
0: You mentioned that you have you, you see yourself as having the ability for strategy. Yeah. Could you tell me what you mean by strategy? What what does that encompass?
2: Um, I think that I think a lot of times I hear a, a one of the, the initiatives I, I would say that I have is I hear I hear a disconnect between what's happening in the schools. And what the perception of the public of what is happening in the schools is, and what I say is, it's not just uh, you know it's certainly the rumor mill, um, and there's there's confidentiality confidentiality laws and there's there's things it, it, policies in place where you can't really expose uh, anecdotal stories to the public the way that maybe a different department could like the the you know the police department could say hey listen we pull, we pulled a gentleman over the other day and this is what happened in schools it's difficult for them to tell those stories because even if you can discern who the story is about because of the circumstances, that could be a slippery slope legally. So um, so I think there's two things happening there. There's one where ordinary parents are not aware of how much bandwidth is taken up by situations that they need help from the public managing. I think the schools are being called upon to do a lot above and beyond just, you know, you hear the the, the reading, writing, arithmetic kind of uh, narrative, and people push back on that and say, how can you teach reading, writing, arithmetic when somebody is, you know, um, you know, not healthy and not feeling safe and and those type of things? Um, but we can't really get there until we enlist the help of the families, because at the end of the day, these kids, they still go home to their mm-hmm. families, they're still on their Snapchat, they're still doing things that the school wouldn't condone, but but the parents really need to step up too. And it's a, it's a tricky thing because the schools don't want to be complaining. That's not really what they wanna do when they're in front of a school committee or, or a town council, they wanna put their best foot forward and, and show the great work they're doing. Um, so one of the things that I, I sort of strategize about often is how can we engage the community in a way to support and um, sort of enable the school to be able to do their job? I think it's like I think it's it's got to be a little more collaborative.
0: You mentioned <laughs> uh, suspension and uh, discipline. My understanding is if if they're in possession of drugs at the school or have used drugs. And they they would be suspended for 10 days from school or they need to go to a three-day intensive program mm. at Safe Coalition mm. and then can go back to school. I don't know what other discipline uh, action is followed by being inconsiderate of teachers. Do you? I mean... Do you are you I, I familiar don't with the disciplinary suspension? And do you agree with the length of the time that this is suspended?
2: Well, I I do know that in in January of last year, I believe there was some new legislation introduced to the Massachusetts public schools that uh, required a student that I believe it's not nonviolent. So if it, if they didn't hit another student. Um, you cannot suspend. Um, you have to create a system of restorative justice, no matter what the disciplinary action is, which in theory is probably very necessary. I'm sure there's many districts that um, were not were giving up on children and just kind of didn't have the bandwidth to deal with it properly. So you know these things always kind of arrive out of necessity. But I think if you have a district that tries to do the right thing and you have leadership trying to do the right thing, it can become an administrative nightmare for a district of our size. Um, well, yeah.
0: let me again, I'm sorry I need to interrupt, but um, <laughs> is there any last thing you would like to tell viewers how they could contact you, a website or phone number, and uh, and how they could reach out if they were interested in Finding out more about you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm open to uh, receiving emails. My personal email is just Ruth Ann, it's R U T H A N N O Sullivan, O S U L L I V A N at gmail.com. Um, I'm responsive to that. Um, my telephone number uh, is 508 397 7785. I have no qualms giving that out. I'm sure it's all over the place because of the <laughs> One Franklin group. Um, so, uh, and onefranklinma.com is, it will be live, at least probably just after the election. We have some people working on that as well.
0: So. Ruth Ann Osola, thank, thank you. you for being a guest. Steve, thank you for being a co-host. Sure. And all of us hope to see you on November 7th yes. at the High School Auditorium from 6 to 8 o'clock uh, on the 7th of uh, November. And if you see us, please uh, take the opportunity to stop and say hello and ask questions. And uh, I I hope to see you within after the election and and hear the results.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.